don't care what anyone else thinks of you. Get clear on your thoughts around giving a concern about what anyone else thinks, because that will create fear in your life and that will keep you small. What anyone else thinks has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with them. Um, I mean, if there's someone in your life who has exactly the career path that you want and you want to go to them for guidance or advice specifically around who to be as this type of a business person, that's one thing. But to start up a business and like go to your friends for thoughts on it and have them all tell you that it's not a good idea or it stinks or this, that, or the other thing, like unless they have what you want or they have experience in this area, just don't even go to them. I mean, really, I would disregard it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several businesses to seven and eight figures, uh, bigger, seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, Ryan Stanley. And uh, just to give you a little bit of background on Ryan, so Ryan started uh, out uh, his career originally in multi-level marketing. No, no hate him because of that. He's not in it anymore. Started out at 19, uh, worked for his dad at a daycare center for a while, then jumped over to his brother's uh, title company, um, did a few things in between, started working in the music industry, helping out artists, got tired of working with shady club owners and musicians that were hard to work for. And now he's moved over to being a certified uh, professional coach, um, helping a lot of people still in the music industry. So welcome to the podcast. And does that uh, intro give you justice? Yeah, it's definitely the gist. Uh, okay. I'm really, really happy to be here, man. Thank, thanks for having me, Devin. Thank you for coming on. So now I gave you the, I gave everybody the gist. So let's have you dive in and tell us a little bit more about your journey. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've always been really in some capacity, I think, an entrepreneur, like to your point, even at 18, 19 years old, stepping into like some sort of owning business and on, on like an MLM type of a space. But, you know, through that experience, I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, I learned what it was like to kind of go through some ups and downs of even starting a, you know, any type of a business as a young person. Mm. Um, after that, I did own a daycare center with my father and then helped my brother a little bit uh, in his own business as well. But in 2008, I was working in artist management. So I was managing a bunch of bands and it was my own business from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Uh, and what I loved most about it was really was helping people and empowering people and inspiring people. And especially working with creative musicians, there's a lot of people in that space who are not only are they not supported or empowered to be successful, but they're often, you know, belittled for wanting to be successful in an industry that could be considered difficult. And or well, just not ask you know. one very tangential question, but a, an interesting question nonetheless, at least to me. Um, yeah. So any artists that we would recognize or know, or what were the your the most famous artists you worked with, or what would be somebody that they should check out that you helped out with? Uh, so I would say the most famous band was. I mean, it's actually kind of a, a B B level famous, but it's uh, so the, there's a band called Fish, which is I hope you're familiar with P H I S H mm -hmm. out of Vermont. They're a popular jam band. And they have a lyricist, a guy by the name of Tom Marshall, and uh, he had started a side band called Amphibian, and it's spelled, spelled with an F. And uh, he had a guitarist and a guy named Anthony Kryzan, who was in a band called The Spin Doctors. And so I managed them as they released their last album. Um, another band that you may not have heard of, but if you're into progressive rock, there's a band called Karmic Juggernaut uh, that I worked with for a long time. And uh, they are extremely talented, really, really cool guys. Uh, I also worked with a woman named Cece Coletti, and she's kind of a, a, a classic, rock type, classic rock type of style, but she's um, worked with Meatloaf. She's a backup singer for Meatloaf for a while. 
and um, so you know bits and pieces kind of kind of on the outskirts and you know a lot of other up-and-coming bands just kind of getting them into the New York scene uh, and then there's another band called CB Radio which has been on Sirius XM country uh, a lot of different times and, and so I managed them for a little bit as well so all over the gamut but um, not necessarily household names to say the least. Fair enough hey I'm just curious and maybe some of yeah. the audience uh, have heard of the band and enjoyed them and uh, now have even more respect that you have more authority with them but anyway yeah so absolutely get, uh, so you managed the bands for a while, and I think that you say, you know, enjoyed the aspect of, you know, the coach them, help them, help them to grow, help them to understand, you know, what's within the management still like that area. But then you also mentioned that you kind of adjusted or shifted from purely being kind of the band manager or doing that to more of what you're doing or professional coaching. Yeah, and give totally. me, maybe dive in a little bit as to, you know, how did you go or what prompted that transition? How did that transition go? And, you know, what made you decide to jump over and adjust things? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at that point, I, um, you know, I, like I said, I recognized what I loved about it. I knew what I loved about it. In October of 2008, probably three, if not four different times during the month, a conversation around coaching showed up for me. Like somebody somewhere said something about being a coach and whether it was a life coach or an executive coach or a business coach. And I was like, well, that's what I do. That, that's what I want to do. That's who I am. I, I love coaching people to be the best versions of themselves. And so I was certified as a professional coach in 2009. And for the first five or six years, I coached really specifically musicians. Because I'm going to ask one question. That's probably yeah, please. What is this, how, does it, how do you get certified as a coach or what does a certified coach mean? Yeah, that's not a dumb question at all. It's a great question. So there is a, and in fact, anybody out there who's either considering A, being a coach or B, hiring a coach. Uh, there's some definitely important things to look at when, you know, certification is, is something to be thinking of. So first of all, I wouldn't work with anybody who wasn't certified. Uh, I mean, unless, so that's really, that's my general rule of thumb. Because coaching, a lot of people think what they're doing is coaching, but it's not coaching. It's, it's often mentoring, it's often consulting, uh, it's often telling people what to do based on their life experience. And coaching is not that. Coaching is really, you know, you know, it's really recognizing that people have the answers within. They're just blocked by their fears and they're blocked by their limiting beliefs and they're blocked by their past experiences. So wherever you go, if you're going to go with a coach or you want to be trained as a coach, I, recognize, I recommend going with either someone or getting trained in an organization that is recognized as what's called an ACTP or an accredited coach training program. And that's through the ICF or the International Coaching Federation. So the ICF is a governing board. They certify individuals and they also credential organizations. And so um, to be certified, you know, so they, they, IPEC is the, is the school that I was trained through, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. They've been around since 1999. Uh, they've been an ACTP since 2001. So basically to be certified, I mean, there, there can be people out there who have no credentialing or, you know, there can be training organizations that are basically just saying, hey, I'm a cool guy. I'm a good coach. I'm going to train you to be a coach. And they might have their own certification. But if that's not recognized by the ICF, I would dig a little bit deeper and find out what other qualifications really make them outstanding to you if, if you're looking for mm. a coach. So for me, credentialing, it's important to be done through the International Coaching Federation. And then one last question on that. So how do you, what is a certification teller? How do you get certified? What, yeah, so, so is, it a, is it a one week course so that I, mail, I get a bill a diploma? Is it five years and I'm as much as graduate school? Is it somewhere sure. in between or how does that work? Yeah, it's going to depend on the, 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 the place that you get trained. You know, so for me at IPEC, it's a nine-month program. Um, and it's, you know, you're working five to ten hours a week. And so, you know, there's a couple different certifications involved. But, um, you know, there's some places, like if they're going to say, hey, if you can just attend this weekend and you're a certified coach, then for me, that's a sign, right? You, you, 
you do want to put in some time. You do want, some, again, I mentioned IPEC is a great example. They've been around for over 20 years right now. So, so you want somebody with some sort of credibility. I definitely recommend doing your research. But two things. One, the certification that I got through IPEC, the CPC, which is Certified Professional Coach, that is their certification, right? They are an ACTP and that is their certification. So I was certified by IPEC, so I have a CPC. If I additionally want to be credentialed by the ICF itself, the International Coaching Federation, I can, and I can go to them and say just that, like, hey, I just graduated IPEC, here's my CPC. I'd like to also be credentialed by you. They say, awesome, because you went to an ACTP, recognized by us already, you're basically 85% of the way there. So they just want to then see you have a certain amount of coaching hours. They want you to take an exam by them. Um, I think there's one other requirement they have for you. So then at that point, though, once you show them, let's say, 100 hours or something like that, you can show them that you can get their credential, which is called an ACC or Associate Certified Coach. Mm. And that's recognized all over the world, no matter which training school you go to, right? So the ACC, and then once you get 500 hours, you'd be a PCC, a Professional Certified Coach. And when you get 2,500 hours, you'd be an MCC or Master Certified Coach. So those are kind of like across the industry recognized by, you know, because it's the ICF, but the individual organizations will have their own certifications. All right. Fair enough. And it was a tangent or a tangent or a side. It's just, you know, yeah. a little bit kind of like when people are say, you know, when you hear an attorney and what, you know, what does it mean to be take the bar exam or, you know, yeah. bar, bar certified or those type of things. Sometimes it's uh, terms that people hear a lot. But don't Absolutely. No, it's, it's a great question because there's a lot of people out there that are going to say, no, no, we're, we're, we're credentialed. We're credentialed by our sister company, uh, which is the credential. You know what I mean? So people are actually certifying themselves as organizations. And so that's not the direction you want to go. You want to go to a place. Go ahead. No, I said that would be nice if I could do that. If people did that the legal and say, hey, it's my, my law firm certified myself. In the right. We're good to go. <laughs> right. All right. So now keep or continuing forward. So you got certified and said, hey, what I really like is doing kind of more of the coaching and helping people to the music industry and that yeah. industry with coaching. And so how did you start to make that transition? You get certified, you know, was it a smooth transition? Did you just, the clients you had before that you're managing, now you're coaching, did you have to start the uh, over? Was there highs and lows or how did that transition go for you? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I did have to, I, I because it was a shift and I was doing something different and the bands that I was working with still needed a manager, I, I did kind of, I thought it was easier just to kind of cut things off, right? Mm -hmm. I kept one of my clients, uh, and the rest, I just moved directly to new clients for, for coaching. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, as I was going through the training at IPEC, before I even graduated, they actually asked me to come work for them. And mm. so I spent some time there. I helped them with marketing. This was back in 2008, 2009. And they didn't it really, not everybody was into social media just yet. Nobody had figured it out. There wasn't as many opportunities as there are. And, and coming from the music industry, you know, MySpace was actually created to help fans connect with their bands and bands connect with their fans. So I've been doing the social media thing for a while. And so I initially came in and helped them with their social media, helped out with some marketing. I also did some sales for them. But then I was also the internal coach for them. So mm. this is the organization that trains people to become coaches, and they hired me as their internal coach. So I coached their staff. I coached entry level up to the CEO. And so with this, I was able to kind of start my own business. Uh, I also have a T-shirt company, which is for the music industry. I um, you know, had my own coaching practice, but I also helped them quite a bit. Well, from that, coaching so when you made that kind of the leap and it sounds like for the most part you you know you had to shift your clients over it was a different you know different you're offering different services than what you previously had and so they were also needing a manager was that yeah. was that scary was it a good transition you know because you know a lot of times when you get into shifting you know shifting what you're doing career-wise shifting what you know how you're approaching things 
it can be scary to leave your previous career or keep, you know, clients that you put a lot of time and money and effort to build yeah. a clientele. And so was that, you know, was it scary? Was it a smooth transition or how did that go? Yeah, of course. No, it's definitely scary at some point, but I also really believe that if you're doing what you love every day and I wasn't feeling time being stressed about what I didn't love and having all these extra things that were just more of annoying than anything, you know, there's a, a peace of mind quality, right? That there's a thing of saying, okay, listen, I know that I'm really good at this. I know that I love what I do and I know that I'll attract the right clients. doesn't mean that it's easy and it happens overnight. Uh, you know, like I said, I was kind of blessed to have a concurring role suddenly offered to me at this other coach training organization as well as I built my business. So it wasn't that it wasn't scary. Um, but you know, going through this training where you're learning to help others recognize fears and blocks and limiting beliefs, you start recognizing the same things in yourself. So while there were certainly legitimate and valid fears, I was also trained at the same time to be coaching myself around how I'd rather be feeling and how I'd rather be stepping into my day and how I'd rather show up as an entrepreneur and as a business person. And I think when we start to create gratitude for the outcome that we want and we start thinking about the blessings that we have and we start connecting people with a genuine intention to serve and not just to take their money, right? I was there to, to serve all each and every one of my clients, um, you know, doors open up and people are attracted to you and the right people are attracted to you. Now, all that being, yeah, all I was about to say was all that being said is like, you know, so about five or six years in, as I was also being this internal coach for this large organization, I recognized that I, I had a larger skill to work with others, not just musicians, because I was coaching the CEO, I was coaching, you know, people in all walks of life at the organization. And so I started working with doctors, I started working with authors, I started working with people in marketing, I've worked with people in all walks of life. Really, once you start, I, you know, the fact I started stepping into helping people realize that there was a better version of themselves. It's not that it was a different version. It was their true self. It was just covered by fears and blocks and limiting beliefs. And what I do isn't necessarily, people often say, Ryan, well, I know what you do. Like your product is coaching. Well, my product actually isn't coaching. That's what I do. But my product is clarity. It's efficiency. It's accountability. It's forward momentum. It's joy. It's freedom. It's self-awareness. And when you can help people bring all this out from within themselves on a daily basis, um, you know, it's worth the fear and it's worth the, the overwhelm and it's uh, an exciting place to be. No, makes makes perfect sense. So now I'm going to shift or continue on your journey or shift gears slightly. So you have, I think, and I don't remember the exact time we talked a little about, you have the coaching business you do now. You also have the t-shirt company and then you have the company teaching me to sell, I think the training company, right? It's there yeah, absolutely. That. So yep. we're all of those you know, in parallel, which one did you start first and how do you juggle your time? I know and I'm asking you a loaded question. But how yeah, did that's you, okay. How did you, why did you start all those? How did you, how do you juggle all of them? Totally. So I'm a bit of an ADD entrepreneur in general. Like, I mean, everybody, I, I actually honestly consider entrepreneurialism a, a form of art, an art form. I mm. feel like, you know, entrepreneurs start off with nothing like a blank canvas and they decide what they want to put on it and they're willing to put in the time and the effort and be vulnerable and creative and put these different things out there for the world to see, right? Um, and so entrepreneurship is, is no different. It, it's very similar. And so I love to create different things. So the t-shirt company, it's called Set List Tees. And mm. so it's like a t-shirt company has a unique piece of art featuring the date from your favorite concert on the front. And on the back of the concert, they'll have a set list of what, whatever they played that night. And mm. so I started that in 2010. And that um, has just been, it's, you know, right now I've kind of done it up on an automatic flow and I have an admin who works for me and then she kind of runs a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff on there but it's a great way so to answer your question I've run it for the past 10 years alongside it just kind of on the side it was more of a hobby it was a great way for me to go to fish concerts and sell t-shirts in the parking lot and meet a lot of people um, 
And also the fact that each shirt has its own unique set list. It is its own story. It is its own ticket stub. It is an experience that, that people like to share and talk to each other about. Um, so that's always just been congruent. The teach me to sell.com really, I just started in March. So as soon as the, the timing, you know, was just as soon as COVID kind of kicked into gear. So that's a newer company. And really what it was is I recognized in working with coaches and being in the coaching industry that there's so many of us who love to serve and want to connect with people and want to empower others or, you know, fitness instructors or consultants or anybody who's like here to serve. And then all of a sudden someone asks them how much they charge and they freak out and they get uncomfortable and they ask, you know, they offer it for free or to too much of a discounted price because they're uncomfortable with the sales process. Mm. So teach me to sell.com. It's basically, it's a, um, there's, a, there's an online course, but there's other products where we're basically we're just training people to be more, to, to sell less and serve more, get past the, the, the challenge of sales and realize that it's not a dirty word and it doesn't have to be this slimy thing. And it can be something that's fulfilling and engaging and creative and comfortable and fun to connect with. And so that's been going on since uh, March. And so between, you know, authoring the book, doing the podcast I had as, of my own as well, coaching my clients, the t-shirt thing kind of runs itself. I kind of just check in with my admin once a week. And then when, obviously we haven't had any live music this summer to go to, but if those types of events come up, I will go to those as well. Mm. Um, but really I don't watch a ton of TV. You know, my, my spare time, what I enjoy doing in my spare time is working on my business. It's fun. I think, you know, it's creative and it's a way for me to kind of be myself. And that's, it's funny. Cause I, I always get the same thing. You know, when people ask me what my hobby is, my go-to answer is always, I like my hobby is startups, which is, yeah. There's a lot of truth. Now I do have other hobbies and I like to read books and a few other things, but generally a lot of my, my hobby is startups and small businesses and I enjoy that. And my wife always laughs and says, hey, that's not much of a hobby. That's what you do all day for work anyway. So, right. and there's some truth too, but I, I tend to enjoy it. So as you did that, and you started to touch on it, but you know, juggling multiple businesses and I get, you know, how do you give each, how do you decide where to put your, your time and effort on between the different businesses, right? In the sense, you only have so much time in the day or time in the week. And, you know, oftentimes or the drawback can be, and, you know, I, and I, I do the same thing, but I'm just curious how you do it is, you know, sometimes you have multiple businesses, but some of them die on the vine, so to speak, because you don't give enough time and attention to focus on sure. the one that either needs your most attention or is making you the most money or that, you know, it's the most enjoyable or any of the above. And then the other ones don't. So how do you, how do you divide up your time or know, how do you figure out how to juggle the different businesses? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm sure a common theme for many of us who are in the ADD entrepreneur space. <laughs> um, yeah. I think first things first, I mean, and you're just going to recognize that it's, you're not going to work a, well, I'm not going to work a 40 hour nine to five work week. Mm. Meaning some weeks I might work 40 hours, but they're going to be who knows what time and who knows what else I got going on. Right. So it's going to be on weekends. As the old line goes, the best thing about being an entrepreneur is you get to choose which 80 hours you work a week. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be weekends. It's going to be evenings. And so making time for that and, and organizing your time. No, for me, it, like, especially if I'm starting off in a new business, I will designate a specific day of the week towards that business. Right. So I say, okay, so Tuesday's the day that I'm only going to work on setless tees. Monday's the day I do my coaching advertise. And that works well for me. If I work on something new each day or, or whatever day it is. Um, so scheduling it out that way. So I've already determined when I start the day who, what I'm going to be working on. Then once the weekends come around, I'm more just kind of sitting in front of my computer, whether it be on the deck or outside or whatever. Then I'm kind of picking and cleaning up bits and pieces from the week. Like stuff that may be emails and, and those could be done in a variety of different areas. The other piece of advice that I would give, and I don't know if this is advice or not, but something that has worked for me 
is finding people that can work with you in those areas. So for Teach Me to Sell, I've got a great partner and his strengths are in actual sales training. My, my strength is in the mindset piece. Um, so he's got, you know, decade worth of, of sales training experience for million dollars, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in sales working in the financial industry. Um, so knowing that I was bringing somebody in who had worked with other people, had worked in sales, had worked in uh, their own business to kind of handle some of the stuff that his strengths. And then when it comes down to the mindset piece, I can handle that as well. And also on the days when you're not getting enough done to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and to also motivate yourself when you're feeling like, okay, not enough is getting done or I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed to have a partner to connect with and, and kind of bounce ideas off of and also inspire when we're able, we're able to inspire others. We, we, you know, accidentally inspire ourselves often. Right. And so, so, uh, and as I mentioned in my t-shirt company, I have somebody who does a lot of the admin work because that's at the point where after 10 years, it can kind of run on its own. So I, I think, knowing that your day doesn't have to be like anybody else's. You don't have to compare your life to a prior life. If you're starting an entrepreneur, decide what works best for you and don't be afraid to ask for help, but don't think, don't be afraid to bring in people for help. Um, those are the two things that come to mind off the top. No, that makes perfect sense. So now one question that we've hit on that I'm going to ask, you know, aside from your journey, but where you're in the coaching and other people may be here, may find it interesting. So if you're, if you're either looking for a coach and or you have a coach approach you and say, hey, I think I could help you either to find better balance in your life, you can you know, find more enjoyment, I can help you be more efficient or whatever type yeah. of coach you're looking for. What, you know, aside from certification, what would, be the, what would be maybe some tips or highlights or other things that people should or look for when selecting a coach or when somebody approaches them is to determine whether or not they need a coach? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think I would come down to obviously like we said certification is a huge place and i really would make sure that i would go with someone who was was an accredited was certified through an accredited coach training program i'll say that again just for importance the other piece to it i think is like you know when you're coaching when you're working with a coach it is a pretty personal relationship mm. you know you do want to to spend this hour or whatever it is on a weekly basis with somebody who you enjoy being with because they're going to be the people that you go to on your tougher days doesn't mean they have to be all nice and lovey-dovey all the time you know depending on the type of coach you're looking for some people need that kick in the butt mm. they need somebody to be a little more stern but recognize clearly what you want, uh, what you want your outcome to be, right? What, do, what why am I hiring a coach? Mm. And then do some research and don't pick the first person you find. I would say typically I'd, I'd reach out to multiple, in a minimum of three and mm. have a complimentary session with each one of those and see how you feel at the end of each one. Um, I think some people are, and every coach is going to be different. There's a lot of coaches out there who will have very, they're going to listen, here's our workbook and you're going to do these activities each week. And at the end of this month, we're going to have this done. And that is awesome and works great for some people. I'm the opposite. I am more like, hey, what do you want to work on today? Like, who are you today? What happened over the past seven days? A lot of the time, we'll certainly have things set up in the coming week that they'll ask them to do, homework that they'll, they'll, they'll agree to take on. Um, and sometimes we obviously will always reflect on it at the next meeting, but we're not necessarily going to then spend the whole hour talking about the homework that they just did. Um, no. So I would, I would do research. I would say, yeah, re ask for... Um, reach out to at least three. I would say definitely get referrals as well. Mm. And then I would say, ask for a complimentary session and just spend at least a good hour with them. And then ask yourself some important questions afterwards. How did I feel at the end of this? And is this somebody that I would want to spend time with in one of my favorite social surroundings? I think that's great advice. I think that uh, certainly will be helpful as, as people are looking forward and deciding uh, if they need a coach or how to select a coach. Well, as we start to wrap up the podcast, I always ask two questions at the end of the podcast. So we'll yeah. jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, what was the worst business decision you ever made? 
The worst business decision I ever made was, this is, again, it's funny, we already mentioned MySpace. Uh, back in the days of MySpace, as a young man, I created a thing called RySpace. <laughs> and it was MySpace, which was their, their, uh, sub, their, their tagline was a place for friends. This was RySpace, a place for Ryans. And I went and I created like a MySpace page that would only friend other Ryans. And so I had like a lot of Ryans on there. But I made this, uh, like, okay, so now I'm going to start selling t-shirts. It's my first endeavor into t-shirts. And I wanted to, so I had these Rye Space t-shirts made up. And of course, they're like, well, listen, you know, the more you buy, the cheaper they are. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to sell millions of these, obviously. And uh, so I just spent a lot of money on a lot of t-shirts that I think I sold two, maybe three altogether. In fact, I ended up donating them to, to like, you know, a homeless shelter. So I always laugh at the idea of these homeless people walking around with Rye Space t-shirts on. <laughs> now I'm kind of excited to go find someone that has that T-shirt. It just yeah. maybe I'll maybe or maybe I'll have to start going to places you know whether it's secondhand stores or somewhere where they're going yeah. to circulate it. And if I ever see a Rye Space T-shirt, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to I'm going to come back and tell you I found one of your shirts. I mean, literally, I think there was like a thousand of them that I gave out. I had to like give all these giant like piles of T-shirts. On the front it says Rye Space, a place for Ryan's. On the back it just like there was. Uh, there was this whole argument in a fun way on the RySpace page about how everybody's always calling us Brian and how Brian's are really out to get us. And uh, so on the back, it just said F Brian, spread the word. The word is Ryan or something like that. And so you, right. you'll know well, it when I, you I, see I, it. I like the business idea. I might just have to, I give you kudos. Even if it didn't work out, I think it's a fun business idea. So yeah, All right. it was good. It was so that was the worst business decision. So now we'll jump to the second question I always ask, which is, so you're talking to someone that's just getting into startups or small businesses. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, don't care what anyone else thinks of you. Get clear on your thoughts around giving a concern about what anyone else thinks because that will create fear in your life and that will keep you small. What anyone else thinks has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with them. Um, I mean, if there's someone in your life who has exactly the career path that you want and you want to go to them for guidance or advice specifically around who to be as this type of a business person, that's one thing. But to start up a business and like go to your friends for thoughts on it and have them all tell you that it's not a good idea or it stinks or this, that, or the other thing, like unless they have what you want or they have experience in this area, just don't even go to them. I and mean, really, I would disregard it because people are going to tell you things based on their own fears and their own blocks and their own limiting beliefs and what their mom told them and what their dad told them and what their life has led to be. Uh, so step into your greatness because this is your life. All right. Well, I think that that's, uh, that's great advice as well. So... I think that uh, two good lessons learned and uh, certainly uh, things to people to keep in perspective. Well, as we wrap up, if people want to get to know you, they want to reach out, they want to use you as a coach, they want to get a part to buy one of your t-shirts, whether it's Rice Space or now the online t-shirt business, yeah. or they want to utilize it, anything else, all the above, what's the best way to connect or reach out with you? Yeah, please. And thank you, by the way, for that, that opportunity. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, so you can go to ryanstanley.com. It's R-Y-A-N-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y.com. Uh, I've got a book on there uh, there for sale as well, which gives you some insight as to who I am. The book is called Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful, a first aid kit for the emotional bump, scrapes, and bruises of life. If you buy it on the website, you'll get a, a signed copy from me. Uh, and then depending on my, my availability, you'll also get a coaching session, complimentary coaching session. But and on there, you'll see social media buttons for Twitter, for Instagram, for Facebook. And so you can click on there and find me wherever you want. Uh, quickly, I'll just also say the t-shirt company, it's called setlisttees.com. And then if you're interested in learning more about sales, if you are a service-oriented solopreneur and looking just for some insight in sales, you can go to teachmetosell.com as well. 
Awesome. Well, there's plenty of ways to reach out to you and certainly encourage everybody, depending on what they need and how they want to reach out, to certainly reach out to you. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. For all of you that are listeners on the podcast, if you have a great journey to tell, make sure to make sure to go to uh, inventivejourneyguest.com. You're always welcome to apply to, to be on the podcast. And if you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you get a get notification on this and all the new episodes coming out. And lastly, um, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. We're always here to help. Thanks again for coming on the podcast, Ryan. It's been a pleasure and uh, look forward to uh, seeing how you, the journey continues to play out and all the people you're able to help. Thanks, Devin. I love being here and uh, I appreciate your time. Well, my pleasure.